Boker Tov, a good near Shabbos. We're continuing in the Nefesh Shimshon from Petresh Peches. And yesterday we discussed the very Chashav concept of the songs of silence. And the Malachim, when they say Kadosh, 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 that is the song of silence. It's, we're just totally overwhelmed by Hashem's reality, and the silence is deafening, as they say. So now, Rapinkas gives us a practical use of this idea beyond that of the tefillah. And he gives two examples of this. He says, really, if you think about it, our whole lives are a song. And just like the angels have two sides to their songs, there is the screaming, the song of screaming out and the song of silence. So therefore, our songs in our lives should reflect this as well. So let's give the two examples and really to understand, like just like we say that Perak Shira, everything in this world sings. We sing too. And we have to always be aware that our lives, it's not just saying, singing songs. It's our behavior is part of that. So let's say you're learning Torah really nicely, or you're saying a chapter of Tehillim. What are you really doing? Well, you're really screaming out the praises of Hashem. Right? In effect, because why are you learning? <laughs> why? Because Hashem gave us the Torah. And the fact that I'm learning the Torah, that, that, that's, that's a praise of Hashem. Screaming out, there's a God in this world. And uh, you're saying to Hillel, all this good stuff. But how about, let's say you're walking by, uh, well, what's the right example? He's using an example. You walk by a kiosk, and they have kiosks, a lot of kiosks in Israel, a lot of magazines that one should not be looking at. Okay? Okay. And you don't look at them. Okay? Or let's say you're near a group of people who are starting to schmooze and uh, you know it's going to get into a Lush and Hard conversation. And you walk, and you could stay with them and schmooze and see what's new, but you hold yourself back. Uh, and uh, let's say uh, you, you're going to the, uh, the dentist office. And he's, uh, you know, you're thinking about, and then then you see that there's uh, in the waiting room uh, magazines as well. So the question is, so, so we look at it always as, okay, I gotta hold my back, I gotta hold myself back, I gotta hold myself back. But you have to understand, you're not just holding yourself back, you are singing a praise to Hashem, and that's the song of silence. When Hashem, Hashem is Behechal Kacho, the puzzle, Hashem is in his palace. And that palace is right in front of me. And Has Milafon Kloss, the whole earth is silent. So that's the song of silence. Where your mom is you, you you're showing the world you you realize Hashem's presence is here. And it's so strong that you will not do anything to uh to uh, go against the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Okay? 
and said, and it's well known the words of the Vilna Gaon in his letter that he says regarding the conduct between one person and another person. He says, each and every moment that a person seals his lips, he merits the or haganus, that hidden light that even the malachim are not able to describe. So now, based on what we're saying, it's not only that if you're silent, you get the reward for the silence, but really, it's the reward is for the song of silence, the unique song of silence, which is that aspect of the chashmal. Sometimes you sing out loud and sometimes you sing silently. Okay, and if a person does not know how to sing both songs, he does not know how to sing at all. His songs are like a body without a soul because the deepest, deepest of the songs is the songs of silence. And he gives a great marshal over here. Let's say when somebody is, let's say, writing a letter or whatever he's doing, or let's see, if he's painting something and he leaves a space. And let's say the simplest understanding. You're writing a letter and there's space in between the letters. Now, here's the question. The space between the letters, are we saying there you're not writing? and the letter isn't finished or there's a picture and you leave a space do we say the picture isn't finished but no the empty space is part of the writing if there was no empty space there'd be no writing at all right certainly the ink and the paper they work together and that's the same thing with song a song that has both songs. When there's verbal songs and the song of silence, that completes the picture. That is why, and that's so beautiful for Arab Shabbos, the Shira. Whenever there's a Shira in the Torah, it's written in an unusual way. It's written with a lot of spaces in between. And what and what does that symbolize? Well, if you wouldn't have the space, you wouldn't have a song. So we could say that, and, that there's exceptionally long space. So there's obviously what to be said over there, that there's, there, it's telling us the very first song, every song says there's a song with notes to be sung and there's a song with notes not to be sung. And that's the critical point in our lives. And that's what the rabbis say, what is a person's, um, job in this world, what are we, bottom line, supposed to do? Make yourself like a mute person. So it doesn't mean to not speak at all when you're not allowed to speak. That's certainly true. But it means to have the song of silence. What is a person's profession? Right? How do we understand a person reaches his potential and how can he become like a malach when he knows how to be quiet? And then he can say, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. He's standing before the Shekinah, which fills the entire world. And that's our job. When you get to that level that you know how to serve Hashem and sing in silence. And when you're silent and everybody's listening, 
That is the most thunderous silence of the entire world. The praise of silence is so critical. So this is uh, the end of that topic. Very important idea that we have to feel the overwhelming presence of Hashem. And then when, when you're silent, mamish people can really hear what you're silent about. It's an, an incredible concept to work on. All right, we move on now to the next paragraph. You have that first paragraph, Yotzer Or, and then it continues with the words, Lokel Baruch Ni'imos Yitenu. That's the next part. In that bracha of Yotzer Or, we're still in that bracha of Yotzer Or. So, Again, we discussed the word, uh, no, we didn't discuss it. He, he explains there's two meanings for the word kale, Aleph Lamed. Uh, the Zohar Kaddish explains that on the one hand, kale is one of the names of Hashem of Chesed, as it says in Tehilim, Chesed kale kolayom. The Chesed of Hashem is all day long. HaKadosh Baruch is called kale for the fact it does Chesed. The other meaning, as the as the normal expression is, kale is an expression of chozek, power. Okay, uh, as it, there's psukim that reflect it that way. So therefore, when you say the word kale, it has a double meaning at the same time. That a kaddish baruch who bestows kindness, and that kindness is given with great power. And even after Hashem constrains Himself, as it were as it was, and he doesn't throw the whole thing at you, and it's limited by how much you can take, still, Hashem is uh, giving us a kindness without limit. Okay? It's still, that much that you can receive is unlimited. Now, if you look at the world, you can see a lot of details about the power of chesed, such as water, air, food, you know. In in any normal house, you'll see thousands of details of kindness. And those are things we don't necessarily pay attention to. We could live our whole lives uh, and never pay attention to the boundless chesed of Hashem. He gives a few examples, which are fairly obvious. He says the reality that there are colors in the world. What would the world be missing if everything was black and white? Could you get by in life? Sure. You could live. You could live. But it's a chesed, a chesed Hashem, that what he wants to make your life more beautiful, to, to take pleasure in that. Oh, you see your bookcase full of svarim. He says, wow, what a, what a sea of chesed is in there. Because look who's in the Sfarim. Okay. Let's say, let's say the rabbis of the Talmud will come to visit your house. Abaye and Rava, Rabbi Tarfan, and the later rabbis, Rashi, Toisvus. Wow, you'd be, you'd be so happy to meet them. And guess what? They're all in your house from their Torah. Okay. Uh, without without uh, unlimited so much chesed, so much chesed in spirituality and physicality. We just need to open our eyes. And that's kale, 
an expression of power, power without any limit. Hashem says, I, I give as much as I, I give as much as you could take, not more, because then that will destroy you. And therefore we begin the prayer, right? Lakel Baruch. Baruch is from expression brecha, which means a pool, a wide open amount of water that pours out chesed. Lakel Baruch to this mightily, this powerfully kind God who opens the pool. Ni'imos yitainu, pleasantness he gives us. Okay? And this is the praise of the Malachim, that praise Hashem, that he is a pleasant thing. Okay? Now normally when a person looks for pleasures, you're looking for good food, a good place to rest. But the truth is, there's no greater pleasure than to say the praises of Hashem. As Chazal say, There's no pleasure like the pleasure of wisdom. To praise Hashem, that is the truest reality. And when you come to that truth, there's nothing more pleasant than that. Okay, so Hashem gives us the ability to have all these pleasantness in the world. Okay, now, Melech, next words, Melech, Kale, Chayve Kayam. A God that's Kale, Chayve Kayam, lives eternally. Right. And on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, some of the readings say, Melech, you are the king, Kale, Chayve Kayam. Just like in Birchus Kriyashma, by Marav, we say, Kale, Chayve Kayam, the living uh, God who, who, who stays. And these are the first words that we're saying over here that they should open up our eyes. Even before, in the morning, before we just open our eyes, we say, And we discussed this earlier in the beginning of the Sefer because the word chai is one of the most important things there is in the grasp that a Jew should have. To grasp that Hashem, as it were, is a living God. Now, uh, these are not just uh, simple words of life, okay? So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just not stom this abstract idea. What you're saying, it's like my father is alive. I have a special relationship with my father, so to speak. Now we know there's a whole discussion that we don't use anthropomorphical terms to describe God. And to say that God is alive, the way we understand alive, is living and breathing. So the uh, the Kuzari says when we say live, sometimes some of the praises of God are is to um, uh, to uh, tell us and not the and and not the opposite. You know, it's the opposite of what the opposite would be, which would be death. So he's you know people say God is dead. No, no, he's not dead. He's alive, but not alive the way we think that. But another, but more, it's like Hashem is real. We are real. We we take real things very seriously. It's a it's a very interesting thing. He gives a brief uh, vignette about the great Rabbi Rableib Molin. He was a big big rabbi. And uh, Pinka said, and we all had great uh, reverence before him. A lot of derech eretz. 
So Rav Pinkus mentions when Rav Leib Molin passed away, he said Rav Pinkus was about 18. And when they made the, uh, a yard site for him, you know, one of the Talmudim, so I went and uh, sat next to the, the funeral, rather, the funeral. So he says, I sat very close to the coffin of this great rabbi. And he says, I wonder what got into me to want to be so close to this big rabbi. When he was alive, I didn't have the guts to be that close to him because I was so afraid of him. But then I realized the difference between a person who's alive and not alive. A person who's alive, everything about him surrounds him. And you could tell, you feel something. But when he's not alive anymore, he's gone. So that's the same idea of beautiful muscle. We all know that Hashem is everywhere, but we forget that reality that Hashem is in Elohim Chayim. He lives amongst us. We have to let that idea penetrate into ourselves. He's mamish alive. When you feel that Hashem is alive and near you, you can mamish feel much more powerfully the reality of Hashem that is there with you. Okay. So Hashem is a melech, kel, chai, v'kayah. A king who mamish is powerfully alive and exists. He kayam, he's there. And the question is, where is he found? And the answer is the fact that he's the melech. The fact that he's the king. If he's the king, then he's by us. Right? If there's a kingdom in where the king is not recognizable in a certain place, then the king is not there. A simple example, if, uh, you know, a couple months ago, um, uh, Canada, uh, they have this whole carbon tax. And they decided not in the maritimes. What does it mean not in the maritimes? Don't got to pay. So it's almost like the government isn't there. Can you imagine? No, no, no. Or, or better, better example. In England, France, there's certain places, even the police don't go. They're Muslim controlled. So guess what? The rulership of that country is not there. It's not there. You, just, you just don't see it. Okay. Uh, and the Gemara explains, for example, when uh, David Amelech, when he was on the run, and him and his band of uh, comrades helped out Novo uh, to uh, watch his uh, animals, and then they, when Novo was making a celebration, they said, maybe give us some food. He didn't want to give him any food, so David and his friends were going to go and kill and wipe out Novo because he felt he was uh, rebelling against the King David. Although David was not yet publicly known as the king, Shmuel anointed him privately. And it was popular, but still Shaul was the king. He wanted to kill him. So the wife, Abigail, came and he said, no, Novel is not rebelling against you. He doesn't know that you are the king. Your stature has not been revealed. In other words, she says, how do you know when someone's the king? There's a what do you call it? The picture of the king is embossed on the coin. An image of the king is embossed on the coin. 
He says, there's no king, there's no coins with your face on it yet. Right? If a person goes into the store and doesn't see the face of the king, so the king is not the king over there. Right? Because a king means that his power has its expression. So, and that's the idea that he's the, what makes Hashem alive, the fact that he, and he's found, the fact that he's the king. So, Kel Chayva Kayam. He's not just over here alive, but Kayam. His existence is a permanent thing. It's not like a visitor who comes by and uh, then they return back from their visit. He's, Hashem is there all the time. He was before you. He will be before you afterwards. He, Hashem is the king before you came in the world, after you leave the world. No matter what, he is always the king. Melech, Kale, Chai, Ve, Kayam. When you think about it, it's an awesome thought. He is always here with us, sees us, loves us, is involved with us. Kale, with all his power, he's mamish, he's mamish real. And he's Kayim. He's always. That's really Kayim means. He's eternal. Okay. Plus, okay, we could uh, skip this. And the more that a person understands this concept of Melechai Kayim, he now, the person himself, is more focused in on what it means, what Judaism requires from the person. The more you understand that idea, the more Jewish you behave and understand yourself. You become more of a person, more successful. You understand in all your ways you will know Hashem. Hashem is always before you. In every way you go, wherever you go, you're going with Hashem, certainly doing prayer. And who are we saying the prayers to? To Lekel Baruch Nimos Yitainu. Some people feel that Judaism is like a tax. It's a burden. No, it's ni'imos yitainu. Hashem gives us pleasantness. When we get used to living our life that way, our lives become as sweet as honey. That's the point. You have to realize how great this is to have a Kodesh Baruch Hu with you all the time. So that, that's, an, that's a very important idea. And then we understand there's other descriptions of Hashem, who is Poel Gvuros. He is the one who actively does powerful things. But uh, but sometimes people figure, I know he's powerful, but he can't solve my problems. A, a guy is swamped in debts. He has no parnosa. He's got to marry off a kid. He says. There's no way to do this. But then he thinks, well, maybe, you know, I'll buy a lottery ticket. Oh, if I buy a lottery ticket, then Hashem can solve my problem. Because he can make it that I'll win. But if I don't buy a lottery ticket, then Hashem cannot solve my problem. Right? If there's an opportunity, I got a job interview. Oh, Hashem can help me. Right? But, uh... But when he comes to a brick wall, he thinks Hashem cannot help you. So therefore, besides being the Paul Givuros, the next accolade is, he does new things. He makes new things. 
There's no shortage of ways of Hashem to help us. He's very smart and he can bring the solution immediately. There's nothing that holds Hashem back. Okay, and specifically in the realm of Borei Refuos, he creates healing. How many times do we have doctors who say there's nothing we can do? Okay. So if a person doesn't have any brains, when he hears it from the doctor, he gives up hope. But we know that Hashem can create something out of nothing. He's a borei refuos. Not the one who gives healing. He creates healing. So there's no reason to stop praying. Hashem can create a healing. Okay. And, uh, and not only the fact on a higher level is someone who merits to reach a greatness that he doesn't only pray, but he is also sure because he knows what Osech HaDashos means. Hashem can make something new and we give our hearts that this can happen to us. It's challenging because we live in a world of nature and there's no such thing in this world as something coming out of nothing. So therefore we think that's not possible. Okay. And therefore, we try to figure out how that could be. How can we find a way to make it happen? And then Hashem can make it happen. That's not the way we look at it. We got to understand that Hashem can make new things, even especially with Borei Refuos, where he could take something from beyond and create that. Because he is Osech HaDashos. He makes new things. And obviously, this week's Parsha is the best example of that. The best example, the Jews are pinned up against the sea. That was, there was nothing they could do. Absolutely nothing that they could do. And they came up with crazy ideas. Maybe we'll kill ourselves. Maybe we'll scream. Maybe we'll just give in. These were all their ideas. And what did Hashem say to Moshe, to tell the Jews? He says, forget about your ideas. Out. There's only one thing to do. What? Go in the sea. You crazy? We're gonna survive by going in the sea? She goes, yes. That's not possible. Just do it. What happened? Hashem was Borei Chadashos. He created something new. He created the sea to split. And that's why we are told that that's why we learned that Parnasa and marriage is like splitting the sea. Where we think that we have to know how that's gonna happen. And you gotta realize we don't know how that's gonna happen. But we know one thing. Hashem can't do whatever is necessary. We have to deserve it, of course. Amun is part of that. So therefore, when we're davening every day, we're talking about how unbelievable Hashem is with the world of the praises and the praises of silence. And to realize whose presence we're about to speak to, got to realize Hashem can do all those things. He's real and he's there to help you and there's nothing, nothing to be worried about. And if he's not helping you, that means that it's better for you not to be helped. Because... Obviously, if it was better for you to be helped, Hashem would give you what's better for you to be helped. And if he didn't, then that also is fine. And that's how you're able to come to complete praise of Hashem. There's much, much more to speak about here. Uh, we'll leave it at this point. Okay, Yosher Koyach, have a good Arab Shabbos.